Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I am joined here, as always, by the wonderful Christopher Wesley. What's up, man? Not much, John. I am doing well. It is Holy Week while this has aired. Um, well, it's, you know, on the eve of Holy Week. The tritium uh, begins in two days. Uh, actually, so... You can you can clarify for me, uh, clarify this for me. The tritium actually begins at the end of the Holy Thursday Mass, or does it begin at you know sunset Wednesday? Like when does it actually begin? Do you know that? I'm I'm testing your uh, your your theological chops right here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now I need Diana McLentil back on this show to help me out with that question. So, uh, far as I'm concerned, tritium begins on on that Thursday uh during the day um but again i am not someone who probably knows as well as somebody else so mm-hmm. uh, but yeah the reality is the triduum starts with mass that evening when at whatever time that your diocese says that you can start the holy thursday mass it begins with that mass with that celebration on holy right. thursday and then it will go through uh easter Cool, cool. That sound um, right to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. I was trying yeah. to see if I could look it up real quick too. But, but but this whole week is Holy Week, right? You know, I mean, we had Passion Sunday, Palm Sunday on on uh, on Sunday, and of course, part of that is a is a summary of basically everything that's happening at Triduum, because we know that not everybody goes to Mass. Um, on Holy Thursday, Good Friday, or Holy Saturday. And so um, that experience of Mass on, on, on Passion Sunday really uh, t- really goes through all of that as well. So, you know, uh, this is just one of my most favorite times of the year, just from a prayerful spiritual point of view uh, and, and from a liturgical point of view, of course, the most beautiful liturgies of the church. Uh, I, I'm biased, but I think is, is this week. So, it's such a blessed Holy Week, and I'm excited that we are in it now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we, we could spend time talking about that. Um, I know we've got past uh, podcasts on Lent, and uh, I think we have one on Holy Week, or I might be totally making that up. Yeah, we do. We probably do. I don't know. We've been doing this for quite a while, man. We're getting close to, uh, we're getting close to 100 episodes, which is, yeah. uh, which is really exciting. And so if you have been loving this, please leave reviews. Um, you know, on iTunes and everything, or, you know, reach out to us and uh, give us your feedback one-on-one. Um, and uh, sometimes that uh, is, is greatly appreciated, whether it's critical or positive, you know, we'll get over it if it's critical, but, but we need that pot. We need that feedback just to know how we're doing. Um, and in fact, not just in podcast world, but life ministry world, one-on-ones feedback critiques are important and that leads us into today's subject, right, John? Yes. You know, for for a handful of months, we we've we've glossed over and we've talked about this idea of meeting regularly with your supervisor, or if you are a supervisor in ministry, meeting regularly with those that you supervise. And and, and in short, we call those one-on-ones. And and I, when I was talking with Chris about this, I said, you know. I think it's time that we give people some nuts and bolts about how to actually do a one-on-one and, yeah. and, and how to move that forward. Because I think it's, I, I would argue that it's probably one of the three most important things that you can do and should be doing in your ministry is one-on-ones. Now, to be clear, we're going to focus on the employee, the supervisor-supervisee relationship, so paid staff. Or right. some other time we'll get into the idea of 
how do you do one-on-ones and connect with volunteers? Because I think that's an important subject as well. But this in particular is about you as a supervisor meeting regularly uh, with those that you supervise. And so that's going to be our focus today. Yeah. And and if you are someone who doesn't supervise other people, stay in touch because we're going to give you tips on how to, how to um, create that environment just in case you're like, well, I can't control when I have a review or these meetings. So how do I inspire that? Mm -hmm. So first we'll talk about in the ideal situation that everyone here supervises someone. Um, and start that out. Um, the first thing I would say too is if you're a pastor listening to this or a pastoral associate or, um, uh, and you are overseeing like multiple people, um, this might be a little bit challenging because uh, I know pastors out there who have 14 direct reports or 15 direct reports and they do one-on-one meetings effectively with that many people is just not doable. Um, and so your first step would be to call a parish success group and have them help you reorganize, um, in that regards, John's laughing hysterically because it's such a shameless plug for them. But, uh, but no, it seriously is to restructure and reorganize, uh, that, but let's say that you have, what would you say a, a direct report, uh, or a supervisor should have probably like three to five direct reports at, yeah, I mean, I mean, it depends it, on the capacity. It depends the- on the capacity. It depends on the organizational structure. And this is what we deal with the Paris Success Group, to your point, Chris. So we see all sorts of organizational uh, structures. You know, I, we, I know some parishes who every single, almost every single individual reports to the pastor. Uh, and, and I understand why we would do that. However, it's not effective at all uh, when you have that many. Now, if you're a small church, then that's not an issue, right? If you only have two or three staff members, okay, that's not a big deal. But right. I know of big churches who have like 20, 25 people on staff and every single individual or almost every single individual reports to uh, the pastor. Uh, that's unwielding. And, and, and that is a, a structural question. We're not going to get into that now, right. um, but that is something to consider. However, today, I, what I really want to talk about is what's, what is the purpose of the one-on-one when to do one-on-ones, where to do one-on-ones, and how to do one-on-ones. Yeah. And, and, and just to be clear, like almost everything I learned about one-on-ones, I learned from a great podcast, a great resource called Manager Tools. So if you are a supervisor in any way, shape, or form, I highly encourage you to check out the resources at manager-tools.com. They also have a podcast called Manager Tools. And so I am not reinventing the wheel. I'll be totally honest. All of this is credit to what I have learned from them and applied it into a ministry setting. So I'm just in case you all think I'm that smart, I'm not. I, I steal from others just like the rest of you do. You're, you're so humble. You're so humble, John. Um, but I mean, you know, <clears throat> you've supervised people before and uh, there's a lot that we learn on the job. And um, yeah, a lot that I'm going to share too is uh, think, are things that I've learned you know, from experience, but also things that I've learned from uh, resources that I've picked up. Um, and uh, also, again, and I, I talk about her uh, quite a bit when it, we come to this stuff. My wife, who's in HR, we, we talk about this stuff at nauseum. 
um, and uh, and it because it's important. So, all right, let's start out with the first question, yeah. which is purpose. Yeah, purpose. What is a one-on-one? Yeah. So the purpose of a one-on-one is actually quite simple. It's about relationship building. It's about building a good, trusting relationship between the supervisor and the supervisee. And I think we've all seen it, and and I've been a part of it where I I feel like. I can't be honest with my boss or I feel like uh, I, uh, I, I can't, I, I don't trust them or I'm intimidated by my boss. Um, and, and that hinders good ministry that hinders good productivity. And so the purpose really comes down to is like, let's build an open, honest relationship with each other. Yes, I'm still your boss, but we need to have intentional time to get together and build that relationship because me as your boss, as your supervisor, I want you to excel because again, we're in ministry. So I want you to be successful in, in helping people know Christ through your particular job description. And so whatever I can do to support you, I think is important. And, and on the other end, you know, the supervisee, I should have an open, honest relationship and speak truth to the supervisor because the reality is those that are being supervised see the church and see ministry in a very different lens than, say, the pastor does or the supervisor does. And that's an important perspective for a supervisor to have. And so, again, the purpose is build that relationship, that trusting, honest relationship where you, where you guys can work effectively together and help each other succeed. Uh, yeah. in the ministry we do. And that's really it in a nutshell, why we do, you know, one-on-ones. Now, yes, it's also about being more efficient with time and, 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 and having opportunities to talk about ministry and, and get good feedback and, and give constructive you know, praise and criticism for it as well. But the reality is it comes down to build a relationship because then that just makes everything in the parish better. It helps build the, the culture of the parish when you have that good relationship. Well, and let me just build on that a little bit more too with, with trust. Um, it brings a, yeah, in addition to trust, there's clarity and all those things that you mentioned. Um, and as a, pa- as, a, as a pastor or as a supervisor, you with your position have the credibility or the authority to critique and give that person feedback, you know, with your position alone. At the same time though, if you haven't spent time getting to know that person or build that trust and everything, you're criticism, critique, feedback, information might end up actually creating more angst and anxiety and harm than helping if that trust is not there. And so again, that goes back to um, agreeing, like the fact that the purpose of the meeting is to build trust um, and clarity uh, throughout the organization, especially through that relationship. Yeah. All right. So, so let's talk about when to do one-on-ones. And again, right. we could go, we could do an entire podcast on each of these topics, but mm-hmm. the goal of today is just to kind of give you a summary. Uh, and certainly, you know, if you guys are interested, we can have some conversations and delve more fully into how we do this. But right. when to do one-on-ones. There's research that shows that in, in the management leadership world, uh, one-on-ones are most effective when they happen weekly every week with the exception of whether someone goes on vacation or whatnot, you know, um, meeting every week. The reason for not monthly is, is that's just too long of a time span to, to not connect because you can't just depend on the staff meeting or, or, uh, what happened to walk by each other and, and, 
and wanting to give updates, you know, what's going on. And here's what happens, you know, when it's monthly or never is I don't know when I'm going to have, as a supervisee, I don't know when I'm next going to have the opportunity to connect with my boss. So anytime I see them, I start talking about it. Hey boss, do you have a few minutes? I, I want to talk about this, 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 and this. The thing about that is that that's highly inefficient and ineffective because now you as a boss may be focusing on something else, but then your, your supervisee comes in and, and wants to they pick your brain about something. And then now you're totally distracted and you're not prepared for it. Uh, and, and it creates angst in your supervisee that they don't have an opportunity to connect with you on a regular basis. So we really recommend weekly, not monthly, not every other week. I think that's important. And the other thing that I highly encourage uh, is don't do it on Mondays and don't do it on Fridays. All right. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And, and I know in ministry world, some people work weekends. So a lot of people will have Fridays off. Some people have Mondays off. So that's something to be a, a, attuned to. But the reality of no Mondays is if you're coming back into a work week on Monday and you're kind of focused on what it is that, that you need to take care of and do. Mondays, research also shows, actually tends to be one of the more productive days of the week. So we don't want to uh, limit your team's opportunity to be productive by having it on Monday. So give them a chance to get started, get the work going for the week and, and really do it anytime between Tuesday through Thursday. Certainly don't do it on weekends. I know a lot of you work on weekends. Weekends are just not a good time. I mean, you know, Chris, you know, I mean, there's, yeah. there's masses, liturgy, there's youth group, there's faith formation. There's all sorts of things going on. Like weekends are the worst time to do it. Uh, so don't do it on weekends. Yeah. You know, and uh, even with going to the Mondays, if you have employees who work Sundays and I'll speak for youth ministry in particular Sunday nights, Walking in Monday and then having a meeting, you are you can be emotionally fragile because you could have had like a great night or you could have had an awful night. And if you if you as a supervisor say something to that employee um, that's critical um, or opposite of what they're feeling, um, it could uh, definitely uh, you know sidetrack them for the rest of the week. A Tuesday, a Wednesday, or a Thursday, it's pretty neutral. They're in the midst of it. Yeah, and. and it's funny that you say Mondays are the most productive days. I, to be honest, yeah, Mondays are my most productive days because it's kind of like, all right, I got through last week. Like I'm motivated. I'm ready to get this done. And uh, I'm hitting uh, the ground running then. So yeah, uh, weekly. Um, I would also say keep the goal anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour. Um, you know, probably the first couple of meetings need to, will be a little bit longer um, and uh, eventually they can get shorter. And really, if you feel like you're communicating well with that person, there might be a time where you sit down and just say like, anything major to report? No, let's check in. Okay, this only took 15 minutes, great, let's move on. Um, and other times where you might need to go a little bit further, but I'll definitely echo the fact that if you meet weekly um, and if you're like me, uh, uh, if I'm not meeting with my supervisor weekly, I'm more likely to pop into his office or catch him at the copier and start just trying to get a litany of things out. Um, where if we have a weekly meeting, he has every right to say like, Hey Chris, bring that up on Monday or bring that I'm not, not Monday, but bring that up on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or bring that to our meeting um, or shoot me an email about it and we'll discuss it later. Yeah. Um, and that will cut down on a lot of people just barging into your office. Mm -hmm. interrupting. 
Well, and that because that's the effectiveness and the efficiency part of this. You actually save time. Even if you have like 10 or 14 employees that report to you, which is, is a little much, quite honestly. Um, if you do a 30-minute one-on-one with them each week, you will actually save time. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, but I'm just adding. I'm adding so much time to my schedule to give them that 30 minutes. But again, Chris, to your point, it's going to minimize people coming at you at all sorts of odd times, distracting you from the work that you need to do. When you have a designated time and space to do it, it just ends up being more efficient. So if you set 30 minutes a week for every one of your direct reports, you will actually save time in the long run. And and that brings us to one last point of when to do one-on-ones. It should be the same time each week with your direct report. So if you're scheduled for Tuesday at 10 Mm a.m., Tuesday at 10 a.m. Now, we all know that things happen, okay? And and schedules change. There's a a diocesan meeting. There's whatever else, you know, vacation. We know that that happens. So when that happens, yes, go ahead and move it to another time. By the way, that's another reason not to do it on Friday. Because if for some reason you end up having to cancel Friday, well, then now you don't have a one-on-one that week. But if it's on your calendar all the way for a year in advance, every Tuesday, 10 a.m. with Chris, that is there and you know it's blocked out. You know, both of you know it's blocked out and that's the time. And then you can adjust as necessary when other things come up, but it has that fixed time and you start to build a rhythm with that fixed time. So the same time each week is super essential. Definitely, definitely. All right, so we talked about why and what. Uh, we're, we just talked about when. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the how, um, yeah. like how, how this should look. Um, yeah. And, and this gets a little bit into, if you're not the supervisor, listen, because there are things that you can do to initiate it. Yeah, absolutely now, right. I, I don't know about you, John, but I hate, I think one of the reasons why people hate one-on-ones or meetings, and, and I'll agree with this, is you walk in and it's like, okay, so what are we supposed to talk about? You know, and most times it defaults to a negative, either just social talk, you know, which is perfectly fine, or it becomes a little bit of this uh, like negative critique of this is what you're doing wrong. Um, so, what are some best practices for preparing for these one on ones? Yeah. So the structure I think is real simple. 30 minutes is the goal. I know you mentioned 30 minutes to an hour. The goal is to try to keep them to 30 minutes, right? And and really simple. The first 10 minutes is for your direct report. Let them talk first. If you are the boss, let them talk first. Because the reality is here's what happens. And I know as a supervisor, I've done this. Uh, I can talk for 30 minutes and not allow my direct report to say a word within those 30 minutes. I know that's shocking to all of you here in podcast world, but uh, the reality is we have to let them go first. Uh, and, and part of that is, is Chris, to your point, is the preparation that's required. And so, you know, each, each week, you, if you are a, a direct report, you do need to spend a little bit of time planning of what you're going to say, right? Um, and, and what's kind of on the forefront of your mind, what are the urgent things that are coming up, the big, big events, whatever it may be. But the, the 10 minutes, the first 10 minutes is for the direct report to talk about whatever they want. Sometimes, most of the time, it's going to be ministry related. There are times it's not going to be ministry related. I remember when uh, in 2015, when uh, I was expecting baby number two and, and my dad was diagnosed with ALS and, and, and we had all that time. Some of my time with my boss was spending talking about what's going on with the family because I needed that that avenue to talk it through. And, 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 and he was really open to that. And, 
and, and really it was such a great boss for me to have while I was going through that, that situation. So, so it can be anything. Again, the reality is most of the time it is going to be work, but allow them to speak whatever is on their mind, um, whether it's about personal stuff, whether it's about liturgy, even though they're not responsible for liturgy, whatever it is, allow them that space. So that's the first 10 minutes. And I kind of do 10 minutes in quotes because the reality is it is going to fluctuate. Sometimes it's going to be 15 minutes. Sometimes it's going to be five minutes. Sometimes it's going to be tw- the entire 30 minutes where the direct report talks, okay? And here's the other reason why you want the direct report to go first. You as a supervisor can always talk to them anytime that you need to, right? Where, so it's different. If, if Chris, if I'm your boss and I walk into your office, you're going to immediately stop whatever you're doing because I have that role power, that authority over you and you'll listen and I can capture your attention. The same is not true the other way, right? So you, if you were my, super, my direct report, you can't walk into my office and expect me to drop everything, right? It's right. just that difference uh, in that authority uh, you know, piece and responsibility piece. So, so that's why the direct report always goes first. 10 minutes for them, then 10 minutes for you. Now, in my experience supervising folks, typically when I get to my 10 minutes, all the stuff I had on my list were already covered by them. You know? right. And so sometimes I don't need that. And then the last 10 minutes is to talk about the future. What do I mean by that? You know, um, it is where do they see themselves in one to two years? How do you help them as a supervisor get there? This can be about career planning and professional growth. And again, every week you may not have the opportunity to do that, right? Because they need 15 minutes and you need 15 minutes. Um, but um, it's important to build that in, you know, as, as a piece of it so that there's future planning and dreaming that's happening as part of these one-on-ones. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things, even though you keep saying like you might need more time to discuss these different things, if you do this on a weekly basis, you'll find the amount of the variety of subjects uh, gets more focused and consolidated. Um, uh, Where if you do this monthly or even less than that, that person's probably coming in with a laundry list of different things filled with a whole array of emotional bombs that could go off and get set off. And, and it really creates that kind of awkward sort of situation. And if there is trust that's built, which happens over time and consistency, tackling some of the bigger subjects is going to be far uh, more simple than if this is like your only once a year sort of chat or once a month sort of chat. So it does uh, you as a supervisor service to have these meetings on a regular basis because it really does cut down on the emotion that your um, your employee uh, will come to you with and uh, creates a more constructive kind of conversation in that regards. Okay. Now, uh, go ahead. Well, the last thing before, I do want to give some feedback about direct reports to supervisees and how they engage in this if your yeah. boss is not ready. But just one last piece, where to hold these meetings. Typically, it's going to be in your office, the boss's office. That's fine. But anywhere that's semi-private, it could be a conference room that nobody else is in, even if you're in a space that has cubicles, right? If you're a diocesan employee, for instance, but I know parishes that have cubicles as well, right? You know, that, you know, as long as it's semi-private where people aren't necessarily listening into the conversation, it can happen almost anywhere. I've had one-on-ones also at Starbucks. I've had one-on-ones at Denny's even, you know, and so um, that doesn't matter, you know, as long as it's a private space where you can have that, that conversation, that time. Some of my favorite one-on-ones were going to lunch with my boss and, and, and first of all, he paid. So that was always a good thing, you know, and yeah, sometimes it took more than 30 minutes just because we'd walk there and eat and whatnot, you know, Uh, but there is something 
a relaxing about being in a, a casual setting like a Starbucks or, or a Denny's or a restaurant as you want to want. Now, I don't recommend that for every week. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is it could happen there, but the majority of time it's going to happen in, in the boss's office. It's going to happen in the conference room or in cubicle spaces. But again, it should be semi-private. Yeah. Uh, and so just a quick note on that. That's important. Well, I'd even advocate for going for a walk, you know, with your, uh, um, with your employee, uh, with the person you're supervising, because, uh, one, it's not just promoting health, but also, um, when you are physically moving and not that it's a workout, but, uh, you tend to, I can't remember all the terms, but you're releasing, um, you're, 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 you're creating uh, more of a positive mood for yourself. And so the conversation is more likely to be positive where if you sit in a, an office that's dark, the lights like dim, it's hot or it's too cold or something along those lines, it can create, uh, again, just not a conducive environment. So make sure the space that you're meeting, whether it's a conference room um, or your office or going for a walk or a Starbucks or whatever, that it's not just private, but that's comfortable too. Because if you're talking about very difficult things, if your employee is feeling anxious or uh, frustrated um, and the environment can help that or it can hurt that. So yeah. I think that's important too. But that, that's more of a, a niche sort of thing as well. But yeah, let's talk about, um, you know, what if my boss or my pastor or my supervisor uh, doesn't want to meet with me? What do I do? Yeah. In an ideal world, this should come from your supervisor, right? Your boss sets it up and makes the expectation. Now, but we know the reality that that doesn't always happen. And so I have been in lots of situations where my boss didn't do regular weekly one-on-ones. And so I have, I have encouraged him to make it happen. In some places, when I started the job, I threw out the expectation, right? Now, this is not going to be for everybody, right? But I threw out the expectation of my boss is like, and I'd like to meet 30 minutes once a week so that we have good on, you know, regular communication. And when I have done that, when I've started a new job, there's two in particular that I remember where that happened uh, specifically. Uh, they have been more than amenable to it and said, yeah, absolutely. And, and that became part of our structure. So obviously the earlier you can do in the relationship, the better. Now, some of you have worked with your pastor or your boss for 20 years now, and you have no history of this. Well, then it's a different story. You know, um, um, but I think it's important that, that you start building up to it. So there may be resistance from your boss to do it. And so, um, again, you know, part of it is sharing this information that we just talked about in this episode with them. And, but really being honest with them, it's like, boss, I, you know, I have a lot going on and I'd really just love to have regular opportunity to connect with you and get feedback from you about what's going on because, get this, I value your opinion and I really trust kind of where you're coming from. Right? It starts with this affirmation of them and what they can do to support you in your ministry. Yeah. Um, when you start with that affirmation and you praise them, you know, you start them making feel they, they start to feel good about themselves and then they're they're more likely to say yes on that. But really be honest and say, you know, I really I really would love your feedback and I'd love to have a regular opportunity to connect. 30 minutes once a week, no more, you know, and, and but then we'll have the opportunity to dialogue about all the things that we can do to effectively minister together. And yeah. I think being upfront and honest about that is important. Yeah, you have to help them see the value if they don't see it already. Um, and supervisors who are listening to this, please be the one that beats the drum on this and, and leads it because um, I know as someone who's had to like hold my leadership accountable to like meet with me, 
it gets frustrating and hard because it's, if it's not on their schedule, like you were saying before, John, for me to walk into my boss's office is not as easy as it is for them to walk into my office. And so, um, so that's definitely a service you can do. The other thing I would recommend is if you really struggle to meet with your pastor or your supervisor one-on-one on a regular basis, set a time each week where you're going to write them an email of a summary or a report of what's going on in your ministry. And that way, you know, that keeps them informed so that when you do need to meet with them, like you're not just regurgitating everything that's happened in the last six months or everything that's happened in the last year that you can just say like, um, you know, Hey, um, I wanted to meet with you because this past week, this is what happened. And it becomes a little bit more immediate at the same time too. Your pastor might be an internal processor. Um, so if you are setting up the meetings with him, to or your supervisor in general if you're setting up the meeting with them send them an email ahead of time with the agenda of things that you want to talk about one so you don't surprise them or catch them off guard two so that they can have some time to process that because in the meeting itself they might not be able to process it and uh and it just again knocks down that intimidation of like what might be going on um as you guys are 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 meeting Uh, it'll knock down the intimidation and uh and get rid of any of the angst that that uh, your supervisor or your pastor might be feeling. And if they're really resistant to uh, meeting regularly, then, you know, at some point you need to let sleeping dogs lie, you know, and not worry about it and don't push it. But, but, you know, usually the biggest issue is really about time. It's like, I don't have 30 minutes once a week with you. Well, first of all, that's not true because we, all of us, myself included, could be much more effective with our calendar. So we can find 30 minutes once a week. So that's, that's not the issue. But part of it may just be fear, apprehension. They don't know how to do one-on-ones and, uh, or they've never done it before. And that's fair, right? And so allow them time to process that and do that. And if they want to first start once a month, Again, I don't recommend that, but at least it's something, so take it, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and then over time, as you start doing it once a month, then maybe you start building in them. They start to see the importance over time, and then they'll realize, yeah, weekly would be good, or or, or every other week, then to weekly, you know, and and just just be flexible with that, and just know that you can't control what your your boss, your supervisor, your pastor is going to do. Uh, so you can recommend it, show them the value of this, affirm them give them a structure that we just talked about and hopefully they have at least some of the tools ready to, to kind of, uh, to launch into this and hopefully they'll be willing to say yes. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So there's a lot that we could talk about this. Um, but I definitely recommend, uh, checking out parish success group. Uh, this is some of the things that you guys uh, work on. Um, and, um, and you know, definitely with marathon youth ministry, we can help with that on a volunteer and, um, if you're a youth minister or DRE, how to you know, supervise your volunteers because you got to be a little bit more flexible with that. But um, it's important. Uh, if you have questions, if you want to learn a little bit more, reach out to us at questions at the churchpodcast.org. Leave a review on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, we love to uh, get that feedback and improve everything that uh, we're doing here. Um, if you want to learn more about what John does, go to johnrinaldo.com or parishsuccessgroup.com or you can Learn more about me at MarathonYouthMinistry.com and we're on all social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and, uh, and Twitter. And so uh, you can find us there as well. Uh, thank you everything uh, for everything that you guys do in the trenches. Know that we're praying for you. And John, would you uh, close us out in a little prayer? 
Absolutely. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of love during this holy week and uh, as we prepare for the Easter season that is upon us, Lord, help us to put all our energy, our focus on you, the Paschal mystery, your your birth, uh, your 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 life, your your miracles, all that you did, but also your passion, your death, and, and ultimately your resurrection and ascension. Lord, just help us to always stay true to that. All that we do, whether it's one-on-ones, whether it's youth ministry, whether it's liturgy, whether it's managing the money, Lord, help us remember that it's all about you. And it's all about what we're celebrating this particular week of Triduum uh, that we focus and we give it all to you, Lord. So we give you of ourselves. We give you our time, our energy, our strengths, our gifts in service to you. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.